Reminding us of some things that are often neglected, here is Pastor Ed Taylor. Prayer is always mentioned, but it's always needed. It's one of the areas of our life that God has made so easy, and haven't you found that the easier things are often neglected? Like prayer, so easy, neglected. Giving of your tithes and offerings, so easy, neglected. Talking to someone with your voice about Jesus Christ, so easy, and yet so neglected. This is amazing grace. Why are the easy things so often neglected, especially prayer? Well, today's Abounding Grace will serve to encourage us not to make that costly mistake. If you'll recall, in Hebrews 10, we were assured of the marvelous access we have to God by prayer. Last time, we began to learn how to employ that access in our battle against discouragement. First, expect opposition. And the second way is through prayer. From Nehemiah 4, verse 9, here's Pastor Ed. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. Number three, notice verse nine, it says at the end, we set a watch against them day and night. And then verse 15, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their counsel to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on, this is verse 16, half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears and shields and bows and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they had a weapon. Verse 18, every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So here's number three. Number three is... Carry your sword. Ow. No, I'm just kidding. Carry your sword. Did you guys write that down? Carry your sword. Ow. Carry your sword for dramatic effect. Carry your sword. It's not the physical sword. If I see you walking around Aurora like this, you will probably, the sword will be in the trunk and you will be in the back of a police car. No. The sword here is metaphoric for us, and that is the sword is the word of God. If there is one, one of the top things that is a problem in our church, Calvary Church, and I'm not speaking to the church at large, I'm not speaking to the whole church, I'm just speaking for the church that I'm responsible for. If there is one of the greatest issues and problems in our church is that many of you do not place a high value on God's word. You don't read it, you don't use it, you don't memorize it, you don't give it to your kids. You don't read it to your kids before you go to... You just don't care about the Word of God. And you wonder, why is my life such a mess? Well, because you're not carrying your sword. You're not using it. You're not in it. It's not in you. You've got every excuse of not. Some of you, you've been in this church for a long time. You don't even own a Bible. Maybe you have it on, on your iPad or whatever, and you have it on your phone. Great, but you don't have a Bible. The one where the battery never runs out. 
where you're never interrupted by some text message when you're reading the scriptures, where one where you can circle it and write on it and highlight it, one where you could take it with you, one where you can, well, there's something with books you can't do with an iPad. Anytime I buy a brand new book, I open it and I do this. Because <sighs> there's just something about the word of God. Smelling the leather and just remembering as I open the word, man, God, you love me. You care for me. You got to carry the sword. Set a watch and be equipped against the wiles of the devil with the truth. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. I'll show you what I mean. Ephesians chapter 6, because it's very important. Now, the reality of the word of God, if you don't own a Bible in the chairs in front of you, you there are Bibles there, take one. I'd even look around until you find a brand new one and take it with you. Because some of you go, well, Ed, you know, that, that version you're using up there, I don't understand the language. And I, okay, well, there's two versions of Bibles in the chairs. There's an easier one than the one I'm reading right now. Take the easier one. Hey, take them both and test them together. Just take a Bible and make it a part of your life. Let it become a more regular part of your life. Because if you don't, you're prone to be more discouraged, not less. Isn't that true with prayer? When I pray more, I'm discouraged less. But when I pray less, I'm discouraged more. And then if I'm discouraged more, guess what? I'll pray less. And it's a never-ending cycle away from God. When Nehemiah saw the enemy, he literally told them, hey, the work needs to continue. I got to keep living. I got to go to work. I got to take a shower. I got to put on my clothes. Even in the worst of times, which is a principle that I picked up over the years in the grieving process and the deepest dark parts of our lives, I, I picked up this principle from Elizabeth Elliot in reading all of her works. And she gave this little phrase. I actually just posted it on my blog at edtaylor.org if you want to read articles on grief and encouragement. I just posted a new one. And, and her instruction was this. You know, in the deepest thing, especially when you wake up in the morning and the deepest sorrow and the deepest sadness and you don't know what to do, her counsel was this. Do the next thing. So get up. Get out of bed, go take a shower, get dressed, go shopping, do the dishes, go to work. Those are things that God can enable you to do. You, can, you might be overwhelmed with what will my life be the rest of my life. That can be super overwhelming when you're already discouraged. And I love what she just reduced it down. Here's just do the next thing. Just what's in front of you. You can do the next thing. You can take the next step. You can say the next word. And so in light of this, when you're instructed to carry the sword, notice what the Bible says when it comes to this issue of spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's start in verse 10 together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, and he defines it for us, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. 
That is the spiritual battle, and yet God has equipped us. When spiritual discouragement comes our way, we stand in the equipment that God has given us. And like the men in Nehemiah's day, they worked, they did the next thing, but they also had the sword with them, the word of God. And I know one of the big barriers between some of you and the word of God is you know how hard it is to find things. And find things, well, you know, I'm anxious right now, so where do I go in the Bible? And most Bibles don't give a topical index. They give what's in the back called a concordance. And a concordance is a list of words that you can find in the Bible, where a topical index is something that gives you the topic and shows you different verses where it is. And that's why it can be frustrating sometimes when you turn back to the back of your Bible and you go, well, I'm looking for a topic, but it's actually a word index, not a topical index. And so I've recommended this resource for many, many years. It's, it's a pick of the month. I, I use it all the time myself. It's a quick scripture reference for counseling. Or you could say it's better even for discipleship. And we had a big shipment of these in the store, but they're all gone downstairs. So we're going to order more. This is the last one in the building. Oh, $50, $60, I'm not, not just... <laughs> This is the last one. They're going to take it back down to the bookstore, but we're going to order more. And this is a topical index so that when you open it up and you're going, okay, I'm, I'm anxious today. Well, there's a whole section that's dedicated to anxiety, to blame shifting, to faith in God, to fear, forgiveness. It's one of the most effective tools for people that want to find their way around the Bible or an effective tool so that you can help someone else when you're opening the Bible. If you email me, I just got an email this week. It said, you know, Pastor Ed, I'm just looking for scriptures I'm anxious this week, so I opened up. I have this on my computer, on my Bible program. I go right to it, click anxiety. I think I copied, maybe there's 20 verses. I copied and pasted them all, sent them back, and I said, here, start with these and tell me how it goes. And you know, sometimes you just go through the list and you go, no, the first verse was enough. That was so comforting to me. I'm just so encouraged. And so these will be available. They'll take this down to the bookstore later. Again, you can buy it on Amazon if you want. It's not about our bookstore. It's about you getting resources. Uh, it's about you having what you need to be an effective man and woman in our city and our community. And you need tools like this so you can carry the sword. Number four, number four, know your weak areas. How do you battle discouragement? Know and recognize and admit your weak areas. We find that in verse 13. It says, therefore, Nehemiah is writing here and he says, therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. Those were vulnerable places where the enemy could sneak in. They weren't complete. The wall wasn't completed yet. So there were vulnerable places still that, that would be open for the enemy to do great destructive work. So what does Nehemiah do? He puts people at the places of vulnerability, at the places of weakness. And there is that need in your life to admit that you have weak areas. Because we've been taught in our culture to pretend there are no weaknesses in us. I've got it all together. There is no problem with me. And all the while, that is a prideful position to take, leaving you open to the enemy because he will exploit even weak areas that you don't know about. So the ones that you do know about, here, here's the thing, it requires humility to admit that you have weak areas in your life and know them, admit them, and place a guard around them. Place a guard around your life in those areas that are weak. You know, here at Calvary, when someone comes on, on our team, we talked to them about a document and a commitment that's known as the Modesto Manifesto. It was a document that the Billy Graham Association put together back in the 50s, right when their ministry was starting to blossom and grow. 
And the leaders and the elders of the Billy Graham Association came together and said, look, we do not want to fall into sin. We do not want to be like some of the other evangelists. We want a ministry of integrity, and we want to make the decisions on the back end to maintain this integrity. And they came up with this document in Modesto of a Modesto Manifesto, and they made a mutual agreement. It is not a legalistic document. It's not a document that you have to. It's a document that you get to be a part of. And so the the things that they mentioned was money. They made guards against money, pride, and women. And how to relate to women and how to relate to people in the opposite sex so you don't find yourself in a weakened, vulnerable position that would lead you towards sexual sin. And I have to say, looking back now, we're talking 60, 70 years after they sat down to make this agreement and and how Billy Graham's now in the presence of the Lord, I would say that their commitments worked out pretty well. The Billy Graham Association to this day is a ministry of integrity. Not without mistakes, but a ministry of integrity, which would be the true for every other church and every other home that decides to watch out for your weak areas. For example, when you're discouraged, it may not be wise for you to go down to the bar. That's what you were saved out of, the bar scene, the party scene, where the alcohol flows freely and everybody talks, you know, every, you feel like everybody knows you there. You shouldn't go to the bar when you're discouraged. Just don't do it. As a matter of fact, when you think of whatever you were saved out of, why would you go back to that which you were saved out of when you're discouraged? We should run to the Lord. You don't need to go back to the bar. That's not going to help you. If you were safe from the party scene, heading out to a rave party isn't going to help you. If you were safe from the drug culture, from the gang culture, running back to that world, that is not going to help you. You hope in God, not in man. Know your weak areas and instead call somebody for help that will encourage you. But don't go back to the things that you were delivered from, the things that God rescued you from, the things that God broke the bondage of in your life. Because you're discouraged, don't run back to sin. It won't help you. It'll make things worse. Number five, remember what you would lose if you quit. Remember what you would lose if you quit. And we find this in verse 14. Nehemiah stands up and he tells people under attack. And I looked in a rose and I said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He says, remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight. This is no time to quit. It's time to fight. Fight to get out of the fog. You know, if you just threw in the towel and quit, it would be devastating to so many people. It would be devastating. You would hurt so many people. It would have ripple effects that could last forever. And I I do speak of giving in to these suicidal thoughts. Suicide is not the answer. It is not the answer to the difficulty that you're in right now. You will hurt so many people. It will not relieve the pressure for another hundred people for another hundred years. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. The fog will get lighter and the feelings will dissuade. But I also think of quitting in many other areas. You know, the the reality of Nehemiah, as he's here, he was careful to make sure that, that they remember who they're fighting for. You know, some of you are like, well, Ed, you just don't know me. You don't know me. You know, I, I don't, my life, I don't have very many friends. I don't have a very big family. You don't know me. But really what you're saying is, that's you, and you're kind of feeling that right now. Let me say, this is what really is the reality behind that statement. What, what you're really saying is, you, what you're really telling me is, you really don't know how many people you affect. 
How many people care about you? How many people love you? How many people look up to you? How many people are watching you? Yeah, you may not be super close to them. You may not have developed a deep relationship with them, but your life matters. It matters in every area, including the people that are around you watching you, including your church family, because when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. So remember, you're fighting. Because here's the thing. This is why you need to remember this. Discouragement can make us so self-focused and self-centered and self-absorbed and selfish that we can easily forget how important our lives are to the Lord and to others. I want you to listen for a second. You're going to hear crickets because that's what happened in every service. It's hard to hear that your discouragement can actually lead you over the line to sinful selfishness. But it can. I speak from personal experience. I don't know where the line is in your life. I'm still learning the line in my life. But I have crossed that line on more than one occasion in the last six years of real pain and grief turning into real self-absorption and selfishness that isn't compatible with a true abiding relationship with Jesus. It disrupts your faith. It disrupts. And because, because discouragement can make you so selfish and self-absorbing, you forget that there's a lot of people surrounding your life that loves you and care for you and are pulling for you and rooting for you and praying for you and ready to help you at any moment. Don't quit. It will get better. There are times of encouragement that will come from the Lord. Number six, and that's also in verse 18, call for help when you need it. Call for help when you need it. In verse 18 it says, every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside him. So we get the idea of the sword, but what's the deal with the trumpeter hanging out with Nehemiah? Well, you'll recall earlier on, we were told that when the trumpet sounded, you were to rally to the trumpet because there was a danger, there was a difficulty. So when there was a difficulty, sound the trumpet. And if you heard the trumpet, it was your responsibility to leave what you're doing and rally to wherever that point is to help the people in need. And I would say in discouragement, there are times when you just need to sound the trumpet and ask for help. Once again, it requires humility, but it's worth it. And I would say, even in asking for help, I would add this. Don't make a major life decision in the midst of discouragement. Don't make a major life decision. It wasn't too long ago I was talking to a brother who has some serious life decisions to make after a major tragedy, a very unique one. And he came to me and said, this is the situation, Ed. What should I do? My answer to him was, I really have no idea what you're supposed to do. I don't know, but I do know this. Don't make any major decisions until the discouragement subsides a little bit. Don't make any major decisions while you're hurting, while you're overwhelmed. Don't, don't do that. Wait. Just, just wait. Wait it out. It's never wrong to wait on the Lord. I, I wrote down a few things that I can think of that I've seen over the years. Like in a major dis- discouragement, in a major deep discouragement, don't file the divorce papers. You wait. Wait. Wait it out. Don't go on that binge. Wait. Don't move to another state. Uh, Don't move to another neighborhood. Wait it out. Don't quit your job. Don't quit. Just keep going to work and let's see how it turns out. Don't, Don't leave your church. The solution is a new church. No, don't wait it out. And instead, 
call for help. Whether it's from a friend, a relative, a neighbor, a spiritual leader, sound the alarm so that the people can rally to you because it's not something you can handle by yourself. You weren't intended to live alone, but in community with others that love you and care for you. Number seven, darker times call for special attention. Darker times call for special attention. We see that at the end of the chapter in verse 21. So we labored in the work. Half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who follow me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. This is a special attack against the people. So Nehemiah responded with special, unique ways to combat it. Like he required the men to be there 24-7. Some had to sleep there, then they had to wake up and work, and they would be protective all night, work all day. It required a special attention while the enemy was pressing in. We need to awake that life spends 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and God could call you to attention at any time. That we wouldn't be found asleep. That we wouldn't be found just lazy and apathetic toward the things of God. Especially when we're discouraged. When you're in deep discouragement, it requires special attention. Not merely helping, but also meeting it with obedience. Number eight, don't let your guard down. I like how the bookends of the, of the points where the first one was, hey, expect opposition. And then we end with, don't let your guard down. Notice that's at the very last verse, verse 23. It says, so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who follow me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Why? Because they stayed continually watching This really reminds me, when you come out of discouragement, you gotta stay alert, abiding, and you find you're the safest place on the planet Earth for anybody is to be found in Christ Jesus. Safe indeed. There you have eight practical steps in your battle against discouragement. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And Ed, many in the pandemic have been battling discouragement. What would you like to say to those as we close? You know, Larry, I was reading today an article on the massive effects of the pandemic and the restrictions and the isolation. And one of them was an increase in eating disorders among kids here in Denver. Uh, And it was very, very discouraging uh, just reading the article. And I know uh, throughout our church, the isolationism, you know, just being alone and having to deal with all the pressure and all the stress has created a lot of discouragement. So if that's you listening in, I, I want to validate that and affirm that. It, it is real. And maybe there are people in your life that, that won't agree, don't want to agree with you, maybe telling you you're overreacting or any of the other responses. But I just want to be a voice in your life to remind you that it is real. But I also want to be a voice to remind you that the Lord gives encouragement and comfort and strength. And so you don't have to choose to live in this discouragement. I want to recommend a book to you. Uh, It's going to be our pick of the month here very soon, but I want to recommend it to you right now. Uh, It's a book called Depression by a man by the name, the last name is Welch. I can't remember the whole title, but if you put Depression and Welch, uh, we have it on our store, calvaryco.store, or wherever you get books. Uh, I would encourage you to pick that book up. It will minister to you from a biblical perspective, just allowing the Holy Spirit to encourage you. And and, And just be encouraged in the Lord. That's 
choose to encourage yourself in the Lord. Be in prayer, read the Bible every day, and watch God work. And I'm sorry again that you're facing that discouragement, but may the Lord encourage you and strengthen you and give you strength day by day. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. Are you interested in hearing this again? If so, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora app. You can search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor, or listen to us through Apple Podcasts. Now, this month, we're featuring an excellent book by our friend in the ministry, Gail Irwin. It's called The Jesus Style. When Jesus taught us that the greatest must become like a servant, what was he driving at? Well, we find the answer by studying the life of Jesus and his style of ministry. It is totally opposed to our natural leanings, so we need some help. Request a copy of The Jesus Style today when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also now order resources like this through our new e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Glad you've taken time out for our study in Hebrews. Join Pastor Ed Taylor each day as we continue to learn how to live by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.